Hi, I'm Steve Acuna, your host of the 30-Minute Sage, your source of practical advice to move forward through corporate and life changes. I come to you as a certified professional in change management and life coaching with over 25 years of boots on the ground and leadership experience that spans five corporate industries. This podcast explores the challenges of leading corporate teams through change with the audacious goal to apply techniques and wisdoms that go well beyond the workplace and into daily life. Along the way, I will share my successes and failures, my learnings and my truths as I continue to transcend corporate life and apply my personal mission to raise consciousness that activates the power of our human community. Welcome to the 30-Minute Sage. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to Episode 3, Using the Power of Words, Personal Agreements, and Secrets of Personal Success. Hey, before we get into the content, let's talk about the format of the podcast. First off, the podcast is casual and more like a conversation. This cuts down on heavy production and helps me to focus on sharing and content. In this episode, I will dive into the power of your words and personal agreements that limit your success in the workplace and beyond. It's my hope that you take these ideas and consider them for your own application. That process I call finding your inner sage. As always, I will share a takeaway for each segment so you have something you can reflect on afterwards. Please don't forget to send comments, hit the like button, and share it with others to help promote the podcast. Finally, the podcast is not therapy. Change management can be emotionally charged. So if you're not emotionally okay, please seek the professional assistance you need. Professional therapy has helped me and my family through tough times. So remember, it's okay to not be okay. All right, let's get started with segment one, using the power of words. You know, in this segment, I'd like to reflect on how words manifest things in your life that are positive or possibly even create limits uh, to the success uh, that we have in ourselves, in our work, uh, in our lives. You know, but to kick this off, let's talk a little bit about words in themselves and what they what they represent, what I believe they represent. Um, you know, words many times are, are ways that we kind of hold power in manifestation. And what I mean by that is the words that we use a lot actually create things in our life. Um, you know, for, for myself, when I think about words that describe me, uh, that I use for myself, most of them are positive. You know, I, I think of myself as, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a really good problem solver and, um, you know, I, I, I'm helpful. I'm supportive of people. I'm trying to find also the hidden meanings and things to better understand my life and learn from things that I, that I see as, a, as good experiences in my life. And, and I even learned from the negative experiences, of course, all these kinds of things kind of build this repository of descriptors that I keep for myself. Um, but I can also think about words that were used to describe me from others that, uh, that were not positive, right? In the last episode, I talked about gaslighting, and that was a great example of how words can be used in a way that helps to helps the the gaslighter to manipulate you sometimes, and to make you feel like uh, what you know uh, is is not you don't have the confidence in what you know or your expertise or the way you think about things, and that's actually done intentionally in order to make a person feel as though you know they're kind of under the thumb of that individual that's creating that type of uh, doubt in that person. Right. So I, I do recommend taking a, a listen to that particular episode because it ties nicely to what I'm talking about here with words that, uh, that hold power in our lives. Right. 
So when I think about words uh, that were not so positive in my life, you know, I, I can recall moments in time when uh, somebody called me, you know, stupid um, or, you know, that I really was uh, not somebody who can be counted on with integrity and uh, or, you know, a situation where it's like, you know, hey, I really appreciate what you're doing here, but you're not the right person to do it because I don't really have any confidence in you, you know, in your abilities. You know, these are all really kind of hurtful experiences. And when those words were used, let's just focus on the one that, you know, the word stupid, you know, really terrible word, right? I mean, it holds an energy in itself by even saying it. And I can even feel that as I say it. But when it comes to that moment in time, I, I, a part of me believed it, you know, a part of me that because this person, perhaps I, I respected this person. I, I mean, from this experience, I did respect this person. And when they said that to me, I felt like they were speaking truth, you know, that, uh, some part of me was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I am. And that part, uh, that moment in time, when I, when I agreed that that was something that was potential possible, you know, um, I kind of locked a piece of myself into that memory, uh, a piece of myself that, uh, when I think about that memory, I relive it, right. I traumatize myself over and over again with that particular experience. And, uh, those words, you know, if I truly believe them and constantly repeat them to myself because of that memory become a reality, you know, I start to, I start to act in ways that support that particular, uh, perspective. Um, in some cases I might even, you know, sabotage myself, you know, to, uh, confirm what I already believe to be the case when it comes to describing myself. And in this case with that word, you know, stupid, right. Um, these are things that are, uh, potentially, uh, limiting factors when it comes to our successes, because it shows up in our work. It shows up in the way that we perceive ourselves and how it shows up is how others will perceive you as well. And so if I bring this into the workplace and, and such things as change management, you know, we have to believe, you know, we have to believe in ourselves in order to fortify uh, a direction or to help people move forward in, um, through a change. And if we are, if we as individuals, if, if I'll use my language, if I don't feel as though I believe in the descriptors of myself, uh, that'll come through in the, the language I use, the, um, you know, the words I select, uh, the energy that I put behind them, the conviction, the sense of confidence and courage will be affected by how I perceive myself. So let's take it back to that example of, of somebody saying, Hey, you know what? I think you're stupid. And some part of me in my past, you know, immature past, uh, said, well, maybe, maybe that this person has a point that I, I could be, um, you know, someone who, who has some limitations there. And, you know, when I believe that type of thing and I repeat those kinds of things through that over, you know, repeated trauma, trauma of, you know, that memory, it comes through, it will come through and how I feel, right. Uh, those types of things really can be worked on though. And what I've done is I've focused a lot of time and attention on trying to dive into those memories relive them in many respects through some mindfulness practices and visualize myself, you know, in those moments and then listen to my, the feelings that I, that I hold when that person said that 
And then I ask myself, you know, if I were to set that aside, what would fill it? You know, what would, what would be the word that I would describe myself with, right? These are the kinds of things that I've done quite a bit of work on because I really want to fortify my position to help people through change. And these things limit my ability to do so because they're barriers. They're barriers to me feeling confident, courageous, supportive, you know, and, you know, in this particular case, you know, this one is a, a is an easier example because I know I'm not stupid. I, I know that, you know, I've accomplished enough in my life uh, with the courage and confidence to know that that was a, that was a barrier that I was able to break through pretty quickly. But, you know, there are other things though, that happen in life that create these kind of micro memories. And what I believe to be the case here for myself is that when I am clear of these types of limitations, I'm, I'm truly a clear channel to help people through difficult times when I myself start from a position of strength. And that's why words are so important. The words we use to describe ourselves are a starting point for understanding what kind of agreements we've made throughout our life that limit us and that need to be rewritten. You know, these agreements I'll talk about in segment two, uh, personal agreements, but because I mentioned the agreements, I want to, I want to give some credit to, uh, to Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote a book called the fifth agreement. And so he is a practitioner of the Toltec uh, tradition, which are people that, uh, predated the Aztecs and they had very simple principles about how to live a life, uh, without chaos. And one of the very first uh, agreements that uh, Don uh, Miguel brings up is the agreement about words. And I want to talk a little bit about that briefly here because it sets the stage for getting into uh, the second segment, but it also reinforces the principles that I'm talking about here. So the first agreement is called be impeccable with your words. And in summary, Don Miguel uh, uh focuses on a couple of things. One is speak with integrity, say only what you mean, avoid using the words that speak against yourself, which I've just talked about, or avoid also gossiping about others. Use the power of your words in the direction of truth and love. Very simple, right? Try it. It's not so simple. It's pretty challenging to actually think about the words you use all the time and to start thinking about how you can reverse them in ways that build you rather than detract or damage or traumatize yourself, right? When describing myself, it actually is, it has been at times difficult to actually think positively, especially after something that, you know, uh, didn't go as planned, you know? And so this whole idea about, you know, using uh, words to uh, for the direction of truth and love needs to start with you. It needs to start with the baseline of you feeling confident and courageous because the words you use describe that those things within yourself or whatever other positive things you'd like to focus in on in your life. So from this segment, we're building block. We're doing some building blocks here. And the takeaway I want to leave you with is this. The words we use to describe ourselves can either build or destroy the outcomes in our life. 
And it's very important, and that's a very strong language for that takeaway, but it's true. Think about the words that you use every single day, analyze them, understand them, and then also recognize the impact, whether positive or negative, and then make the adjustments necessary for yourself to have a happy life. All right, let's get into segment two, personal agreements. Now, this segment builds off of the first segment, uh, which we talked about uh, the power of words and how words that we repeat to ourselves uh, and believe can manifest positive things in our lives or even create chaos in our lives. Uh, In some cases, it could even be a living hell, you know, that people experience. In this case with personal agreements, I'm going to build upon that uh, segment one concept and talk about how we think about ourselves in uh, in facts. You know how we how we create facts about ourselves, and sometimes those facts really are agreements that we continuously uphold uh, with loyalty. Uh, and so, in order to get into the subject, let me just let me just give an example. I'm going to talk about a pretty traumatic uh, experience I had back in college. Uh, you know, I had applied, uh, I, I joined a professional fraternity, a, a business fraternity, and I was very excited about it. And I was encouraged, everyone was encouraged to, uh, to run for an officer position, be a part of the group and, and really help to organize and drive great things through the year, through the semesters, um, that would promote the fraternity, you know, create camaraderie, uh, all the experiences that I was hoping to be a part of and wanted to be a part of in college. And so I took it upon myself to go ahead and run uh, for this. And it, it required a, a speech about the role that you're uh, going for, as well as your um, your credentials, what you've done in the past to support it. And really, it was, a, it was a way for people to kind of see how you are, who you are, get an introduction as well. And then there was going to be a vote, of course, for, by the folks that were already in the fraternity uh, to decide who would essentially be in those roles. And so I was very excited about it and I did some research and had planned for it and had a speech and, uh, you know, I'd never done anything like that before. So in this case, I, you know, was going for uh, chapters operations, you know, so I was going to help with just the organization of, uh, of what, uh, the chapter was doing throughout the, this, the school semesters and year, et cetera. And so I gave my speech. I thought it was really good. I, I really worked on it and practiced on it. I was I was feeling very confident that I was qualified, and that uh, I was uh, going to get the going to get the role. So uh, they held a vote, and I didn't get it. And so uh, you know, knowing that I really wanted to be an officer, somebody helping, I was encouraged. I was pulled aside by the uh, the the president of the fraternity and said, "Hey, go for this other role because I really think that you could you could do this." And so that role was actually about professional activities and helping specifically in that area and uh, designing those activities and helping everything get organized, all that kind of stuff. I thought, thought it'd be really fun. So I said, "Okay, cool." So I I got up again. Uh, a little bit less prepared, of course, because I wasn't really thinking this was the role I was going to get. And I gave a speech, uh, kind of impromptu, uh, used some of the similar concepts that I did from the first speech and, uh, went through it and I felt pretty good. And I was getting a lot of good, positive head nods and, uh, and of course other people got up and spoke as well. Those that had wanted that position. Uh, so, and then the vote came and I didn't get it. 
<laughs> and I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is, this is something, you know, I, I don't know how to feel right now, but, um, but numb and literally, uh, I was, I, <laughs> uh, the president came up to me in between, uh, these votes and, and said that he was really sorry about that. And, you know, there, there's still some open positions to try for and to, um, and to not be, uh, swayed and, and to continue to push forward and see if you can be a part of this. Cause I, he, he really did feel like I had the right, uh, the chops and, and the energy to really help them. And so he was really trying to encourage me to do it. So boy, I did it again. I, there was a photographer, official photographer for fraternity. And the, the interesting thing about it, that was probably the one that I was most qualified for because I had been a photographer through high school and, uh, done, a lot of different work, even got some awards for, uh, photography, uh, through the yearbook, uh, group that, that I supported. So, uh, I was feeling pretty good about that. And so I shared all of that in my presentation. And, uh, when I came back in the room after the vote and no one made eye contact with me, I realized I didn't get that one either. And so, <laughs> uh, talk about uh situation. I, I didn't know exactly how to feel, you know, um, I, I felt embarrassed. Um, I felt that, uh, I felt judged, uh, by those. And when I was actually going through my presentation, I could, I could feel the judgment, you know, and then I, I really had to kind of dig deep to just kind of face everybody to say, you know, I'm, I'm still here and I'll still help and I'm still positive. And thank goodness for my earlier years in martial arts, because I had built up a lot of strength and conviction about, you know, persevering through difficult times and things like that. And I, and those were definitely, uh, that perspective was definitely exercised in, the, in those moments, but you can imagine, you know, I was just like, I was mortified. Um, uh, and I felt like, boy, I'm just starting off on the wrong foot completely with this group. Um, and I formed some agreements, you know, and, uh, some of those agreements, uh, had haunted me for years, uh, about anxiety. Like I, I felt as though I was not a good, uh, uh, public speaker. I felt like I wasn't very, and I, and I made that agreement in myself to say, I'm just not a good, I'm not good at this. So when opportunities came up to do that, I, I, first of all, I felt the anxiety and relived the anxiety, but I also, uh, just said to myself, my agreement is I just not good at that. So I just don't do it. You know? So that agreement is actually what's stuck and it's made up of words that described me as well. So again, building blocks from segment one, but the agreement itself was something that actually just created limitations for me to even try in some of those areas. And, uh, in this case, it was about uh, public speaking. And, uh, so you can see that these agreements could just be stuff that just limits you completely because you just determine that that's just truth. Right. And what's really interesting too, is that that's an agreement with myself when I was actually being observed and actually when I was presenting to those individuals, every one of those individuals in the room had agreements about what they wanted to see in that role, about what they felt I was doing right or wrong, or, uh, you know, what, what was the limitation of me in that role and thinking about like, you know, is this person going to do it? All of those kinds of judgment factors are part of agreements that they hold in themselves about what it means to be successful in that role. And some of that was probably negative, you know, like, you know, they just maybe they didn't like the tie I was wearing, you know, but regardless of the fact, it all starts from within uh, the individual myself in this case. 
And so those that observe, you know, also are part of this mix. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later when it comes to, you know, uh, the third segment, which is really about, you know, what does it mean to have, you know, per personal success? You know, how does that show up in relation to this concepts so of these concepts? So coming back to this topic though, uh, of what I created, you know, the, the idea that I wasn't a good public speaker was completely unfounded. It was not true. I, I actually feel that that is probably one of my biggest strengths. Now, how I came to realize that was actually testing and pushing through these agreements to recognize that they were not true. I could speak well. I can articulate my ideas. I can be inspirational because I try to find the inspiration in myself first. You know, uh, I also think about the words that I use in a way that helps to manifest positive things in myself, starting with myself and then outward to, to others. Um, these things I actually work through, through very challenging and difficult experiences where my role as I moved up in business required of me to be speaking to people. And the anxiety level though was intense. Um, I, I used to have these, it, it was funny because people would come up to me and say, they never see the anxiety when I'd say, boy, I was kind of nervous. Well, can never tell, right? Uh, I was very good at hiding it, but it was something that, that, that definitely, um, that experience did not serve me in that situation. So, so through that, ex that example, you can see that agreements are things that we just say to ourselves that disqualify us up front before we even try. So think about what you say to yourself when you feel like you're going to try something that's a risk or, or take a risk or do something new. Those agreements have power. They're made up of words that you use to describe yourself that have power. So the idea about establishing those agreements um, in a positive light can also manifest some great results in life, right? Uh, so the takeaway that I want to leave you with on this one is really kind of, again, a building block that'll lead us into the third segment when it comes to, so what do we do to create success out of this situation? And I'll talk a little bit about what I've done and hopefully those things will help you as well in your journey. Takeaway number two, agreements that we repeat, uh, that limit our confidence or ambition represents the strength of our own negative judgment. So again, the agreements that we repeat that, that limit our confidence and ambition represent the strength of our own negative judgment. So you can already see that the manifestation of something negative, in this case, limiting or disqualifying yourself because you just don't believe that you can do something because of some, you know, terrible experience like the horrific one I had, you know, um, creates these situations where we just limit ourselves in life. Uh, we limit our limit ourselves in our work. We limit our we limit ourselves in our ability to influence and set direction in a positive way with with change management. All of these things are part of a system that we create that starts with the words that we use, and we create these agreements that we just go by. So the challenge here is to recognize that these agreements exist, start to ask yourself what they are. And then we'll talk about in the next segment, what to do about that and how we can move past these agreements and create new ones that will help you be more successful in your life. Maybe even more than you ever thought possible. All 
right, let's get started with segment three, Secrets of Personal Success. So in this episode, we've talked about the building blocks of limitations uh, that we experience from negative words that we use to describe ourselves and subsequently the agreements uh, created by these words that stop us from trying something new, taking risks, or in some cases even being successful. Uh, we also talked about how these constructs create an effect in our ability to lead people through change in the workplace or, or help people in our lives. Now the question is, so where do we go from here? What do we do about it? Well, my belief is, is that personal success all depends on how a person deals with these constructs. So in light of that, I'd like to introduce this concept of mindfulness. Uh, now, mindfulness has gotten a lot of attention recently, and it, it, I, let me start with the definition of it first. So mindfulness online definition is a form, it's a form of meditation or induced relaxation that focuses awareness on breathing and encourages positive attitudes to achieve a healthy, balanced mental state. Uh, mindfulness meditation is, is advocated for uh, reduced reactions to stress by inducing the relaxation response, lowering the heart rate, reducing anxiety, and encouraging positive thought patterns and attitudes. Practitioners of mindfulness meditation aim to cultivate self-awareness and a non-judgmental, loving, kind, and compassionate feeling towards themselves and others. So you can already see that, you know, we've been talking about mindfulness in relation to these concepts already by manifesting, cultivating, creating uh, more positive uh, words and agreements that help us to sustain, uh, you know, better outcomes in our life, you know, support for others, uh, more uh, effective performance even in the workplace, because we ourselves are sturdy on the inside when it comes to what we believe and know about ourselves. So, so when we think about the mindfulness usage here, uh, now, of course, the use of meditation, you know, it, it could be meditation with your eyes closed, your eyes open. Um, I would be loose a little bit with the word meditation to say that it could even be journaling. Um, it could even be movement. There's so many ways that we already kind of uh, utilize, uh, you know, meditation in our lives that I think you can be pretty open and, uh, and flexible about how you'd like to interpret that word meditation. I say that because, you know, some people, you know, may feel like some of the things that they do could just be tweaked a little bit and it can apply to this. And absolutely it can. So there's no limiting factor here, but the key factor is, is to find those states of mind that help you to be relaxed and to be open and to, uh, what I'd like to consider, uh, or suggest that you consider is the use of imagination. The use of visualization in this case uh, to help you to process, you know, these particular points of agreements or words that you want to reshape or or re recreate in your in your uh, in yourselves. So let's step back for a minute, and I'm going to share something that's a little bit different from probably other segments. But I'm actually going to walk through a potential mindfulness exercise that you can use in regards to establishing new agreements and, uh, but also understanding and learning from the old ones so that you could build, uh, some and fortify those new agreements on sturdy bedrock within yourselves. So in this case, I'm going to do a, just a description 
of this mindfulness exercise, what I encourage you to do is uh, try it out for yourself in whatever form or, uh, that you'd like to experiment with it. Uh, you know, you can apply the same concepts in a different way uh, to make it more for yourself and, and your style of things. Uh, I encourage you to do that. So make it your own, in other words. So I'm going to give you a baseline example of a mindfulness exercise here. And uh, you can do what you'd like with it. Uh, and the most important thing is to focus on the outcomes that this is meant for. And we'll get there as I walk through this a little bit. So in this uh, mindfulness exercise, you want to we're going to use our imagination in this case. And again, you can use a journal or anything else that you'd like to apply. There's there aren't any rules, okay? So first, we're going to visualize the agreement that we are trying to get through, and these are typically negative agreements. In the case of the previous segment, I talked about an agreement about being a poor or a bad public speaker. So I'll use that as the example for now. So I'm going to visualize that agreement and I'm going to really think about what it makes me feel like in those moments. And I'm going to feel it. I'm going to get to a point where I actually can viscerally feel what it's like right before a presentation and that anxiety starts to boil up through my stomach and I start to worry that I'm not going to be able to pull this off. And that agreement is like, ah, I'm not, I'm not good at this. So Let's see how it goes. And that voice is there and I'm feeling it. And that anxiety is there. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually use my imagination. And I do this with my eyes closed. You don't have to, but I do. I have my eyes closed right now. And I visualize a ball, a small ball that can fit in my hand. Okay. And it's, it's in my right hand. My palm is up and it's sitting on my right hand. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of those feelings right now, all that anxiety, all that uh, stress that has been created from those, those memories that have locked me up for so many years, all of that feeling that I'm going to relive that situation every single time from college, uh, every single time that negative situation, when I speak, that feeling comes up and man, I'm just going to relive that situation, that, that belief, that negative belief that is going to happen again. I'm going to, I'm going to think about all of those feelings and I'm going to pack them all into that small ball that's in my right hand. My palm is up and that ball is there and I'm stuffing all of those negative feelings into that ball. Everything I can think of, everything that I can feel, everything that I can know about that situation goes in there. The memory, the words, the images of the people that I was speaking to, the senses that I felt, um, all of the environmental uh, elements that I can remember from that room, they're all going into that ball. They are all part of that construct of that agreement. And I'm putting it into that ball. Everything's going into that ball. Now I'm getting a feeling of separation that all of those things are coming out of this psyche that I hold, this negative construct, and they're all in that ball. Okay. I can feel it. It's all in the ball. And what it's now doing is I'm starting to recognize that there's, there's open space. There's open space that's being created because I've put all of that away from myself into the ball and it's there. Now I'm going to just feel that open space, that openness that has come through because I've been able to accomplish that feeling of putting everything into that ball. 
I'm going to hold this for a few minutes and I'm just going to breathe with calm. I say breathe with a calm and smiling mind. And as I do that, I start to ask, I ask myself this question. Now that there's room for truth, now that there's room for love, what fills that space? Now that there's truth and love, what fills that space? And I'm going to listen to myself. Now at this moment, what I feel is confidence. I also get an image of myself when I was happy as a child, when I really felt like there wasn't really anything to worry about in my life, aside from be happy, be kind. That image just popped into my mind right now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to fill that empty void with that image. And I'm going to believe that that image, that new image, that new memory is taking the place of the old one. And I'm going to hold that. And I'm going to hold that for a few minutes. And it's hard to hold it. It's hard. It's actually difficult to hold my mind on that. I'm trying to hold it. Okay. Now, I'm going to go back to the ball. Now, hold that for a few moments, as long as you'd like, really. Now, I'm going to go back to that ball to finish this exercise. It's still there. It's still in that ball. All of that, all of that feeling and emotion is still in the ball. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to visualize this powerful energy, light, whatever you would like to create, fire that doesn't burn your skin, right? But what it does is it dissolves the ball. It burns, dissolves, obliterates that ball. And when it obliterates the ball, it actually releases all of the energy that I put into it, into the universe for goodness, for love, and for truth. And I return all those pieces of me that have been locked up in that memory back into myself. And I bring that self back to myself, that, 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 those, those beliefs and all of the negativity, all the, all the, the trauma and that part of me that was hurt is coming back home into my heart. And I welcome that piece of myself. And I thank myself for that exercise of memory of all those years to learn from that negative experience to bring myself to this point. And I'm going to believe that I am whole. I'm going to feel that I am whole again. I'm going to know now that I am whole. And I take a deep breath. And I thank myself for the time and attention to heal. Now that is a mindfulness practice that I use quite often. It's one that has helped me to really kind of understand that I can do something about these negative constructs. I can shape them. I can transform them. The energy that I created that I use to create these constructs, 
I can use to reshape them, to dissolve them, to replace them. All of these things are within my power. I know this to be true because I created the barriers in the first place. So now the exercise of mindfulness could be something that you practice many times. In fact, it's hard work and it can be sometimes a little bit exhausting even because it takes energy to actually recreate new things in this way. So be patient with yourself. This might take one time to do it and all of a sudden you're there or a hundred times and it doesn't matter. Eventually you get to, I believe you get to a point where it becomes a little bit more muscle memory in a way. And it's, it's one that helps you to just get into that space faster, uh, that relaxation faster, and it becomes a little bit more normalized. And as a result of that, you find yourself being able to do this in a shorter amount of time, perhaps. And it's okay to also take a lot of time too, because nothing is wasted. Everything is beneficial when it comes to taking the time to relax, to be calm, to be reflective, uh, and to, to also be honest with yourself about what needs to change in your life. So this brings me to takeaway number three, our final takeaway, which is use mindfulness practices to unlock your imagination in developing new agreements through relaxation, release, and intentional reprogramming of your self-perceptions and beliefs. So again, use mindfulness practices to unlock your imagination in developing new agreements through relaxation, release, and intentional reprogramming of your self-perceptions and beliefs. What's most important is to find a way to find peace you know, get to that relaxation state, that relaxed state, so that you can actually separate yourself from what these agreements are to the true self that you are. These kinds of practices have helped to unlock another level of success in my life, personal success. And it has a lot to do with the work that I do. It has everything to do with the entire life that I lead. So it's very important to think about these things as investments in yourself and you can shape them the way you'd like. You know the outcomes we're talking about. Now you can also adapt all of these practices in a way that makes sense for you and still come out with the same outcomes. So the takeaway again, use mindfulness practices to unlock your imagination in developing new agreements through relaxation, release, and intentional reprogramming of your self-perceptions and beliefs. Thank you so much for all the time today and, and tuning in. I hope that this has helped you and I look forward to you joining me in future episodes. All right, let's summarize our episode. In segment one, using the power of words, we reflected on how words manifest or limit success in ourselves and our lives. The takeaway was the words we use to describe ourselves can either build or destroy the outcomes in our life. I referenced a book called The Fifth Agreement, which aligns to this concept by Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, his first agreement in the book was be impeccable with your word. 
Speak with integrity. Say say what you mean. Avoid using words that speak against yourself or gossip about others. And use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. From this, we built upon that first segment and expanded it to the full agreements that we make about ourselves in life. And sometimes they, we disqualify ourselves in taking chances or building new things in our life because of those agreements. The takeaway was agreements that we repeat that limit our confidence or ambition represents the strength of our own negative judgment. This is an area of improvement that we focus in on segment three called the secrets of personal success. Now, in this segment, we actually uh, go through a mindfulness exercise that helps to unlock the potential of releasing those old agreements and creating new agreements. The takeaway was use mindfulness practice to unlock your imagination in developing new agreements through relaxation, release, and intentional reprogramming of your self-perceptions and beliefs. I want to thank you for taking the time and investing in yourself through this episode, and I look forward to you joining me in the next one. Mm -hmm.